Well, y'all, it seems like y'all want more singing. Y'all want me to do that? I don't, I, I, I really can't sing very well, but I do. I'm, I could be a great lip singer. So I got those moves. And I've got this really down well, you know, like that. But I don't have the voice. So if anybody else has a voice and wants me to pretend with them, I'm your girl. Uh, do y'all have a good night? Were y'all glad we're not, you weren't on bunk beds or something? Are you glad you got to go? <laughs> If anybody wants to turn around, just turn around and get your little self all comfortable. And would you turn off your phones? That would help me, or turn them down or whatever. And if you need to go to the bathroom, that will not, I don't even see you. Like, like Holly, you have my permission to just get up right in the middle of me talking. So are we good on that? Okay, so anybody here can follow Holly. <laughs> no, <laughs> that doesn't bother me. The only thing that bothers me is those cell phones ringing. I'm like, I'm sorry, what was I saying? Where are we? It kind of does a number. I'm just going to open us in prayer this morning. <clears throat> Lord, 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 I thank you from the bottom of my heart that you, there is no pressure on me today. You, it's you. It is your spirit in me that wants to speak to these women. And I am so thankful that Debbie Dittrich stayed home somewhere else and that you showed up today because I literally have nothing to offer these women. And there is no mistake about that. There's no confusion about that. But I come here in the name of Jesus Christ, and I'm thinking you that you have everything, every single thing that these women need through the true knowledge of you. And so, Father, I just ask that you would speak today. I give you permission to say whatever you want to say, whenever you want to say it through me. We are your girls. Speak truth to us. Let that truth just get down inside of every crack and crevice of us so we just go out as women of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. How great is he? Do you all know this is my first time to use an iPad, and it weighs 14,000 pounds. <laughs> it's an old one somebody gave me. Isn't that funny? <laughs> um. To say, last, who, who's here new that didn't hear last night? <gasps> Nobody? Every, oh, you're, not, you're new. I'm so glad to, Shay, it's so nice to meet you. Are you the only new person? It, there's a few more. So I'm going to go over lesson one. Y'all don't mind waiting just a little bit. Give me an hour. No, I'm not going to go over the whole thing. But we are in 2 Peter chapter 1. We're still there verses 1 through 11. And I don't have this perfectly memorized. I really don't. I tried, uh, but I am working on it. But I am going to just tell it to you in Debbie words. So if you're following along, it really won't match. But for those of you that weren't here last night, I do want to give you my best version of these verses. Again, it's 2 Peter chapter 1, verses um, 1 through 11. And Peter says, hey, I'm a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to speak to you who have a faith of the same kind as mine. And I want to tell you that grace and peace can be multiplied to you. Don't you want that? Un God's unmerited favor, God's peace, that tranquil state of your soul that knows everything's cool. That's what enabled Paul to be in prison and be singing. I never understood that until later in life. How could Paul be in prison ready to die? And he's going, praise the Lord, praise. You know, I don't know how he did that. Why? Because grace and peace was multiplied to him in Jesus. It had nothing to do with prison because nobody can steal the treasure from Paul. 
So he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. And he says that we um, have everything we need. That's what's on your t-shirt. We have everything we need for life and godliness through what? The true knowledge of him. You, Shay, can have everything you need. Aren't y'all just sick and tired of not having what you need? And waking up feeling like I don't have what it takes, I'm not enough, I'm not capable. I was just talking to some other women and I said, some of us look better, insecure and pathetic, and other people just, it just shows that they're really insecure. But it doesn't matter. I promise you, if we could, if y'all could just be honest, every single one of you are insecure in this room. Let me, if you didn't know that, especially you younger ones, there is no woman on the planet, and I don't think there's men either, but I just know how it works for women. There's no woman that doesn't feel insecure. And do you know why that is? Because the enemy wants you to feel that way. He doesn't want you to know you have everything you need for life and godliness, girl. Through the true knowledge of God, and true knowledge comes through what? Memes? Anybody? Is it through a meme? Is it through a little tickling, gucci, gucci, goo? Oh, Holly, you're so good. You got it all, girl. No, no, no. It comes from what? The word of God, period. We want to be women who are biblically correct, not politically correct, in case you didn't know. Maybe, did I make that clear last night? Thought so. (laughs) Um, And then it says, we have been given very great and precious promises How great is a promise? What if I promised you could come to Colorado and visit me for a week? I mean, you would go, wow, a promise I can go visit or go to Colorado and be in the mountains. That's a cool promise. But God has made promises to you. Promises. So that you can participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world caused by lust. And then he says, now I want you to... Um, apply all diligence to your faith and supply moral excellence and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. And then he says, and if these qualities are yours and increasing, they will render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true, here we go again, knowledge of him. And if, you, if these qualities are yours, you're going to receive an abundant welcome into heaven. And what that means is, as I'll describe in the next session, but it's like a marathon runner. You know, you, you cross that finish line and it's this, ah, yay, go! That's what it's talking about, this abundant entrance. Because you did it, you crossed that finish line. And that's what God wants for us. So now today we're going to concentrate um, on the fourth verse. But I want to tell you, as I said last night, in case especially some of you are new, I am I'm really nothing more than just, I'm not the speaker or anybody important. I'm just a, a woman who's been given a gift, and God teaches me through great trials how to live out this word, and then I come and show up at retreats and teach you what he taught me. It's not It's not an assignment that I'm telling you what you ought to know, even though I don't really know it or live it. It's literally things that I have learned. And um, the bottom line is, I was such a mess most of my life. I mean, there needs to be a better word than mess, because mess actually makes me sound pretty good. But um, to say I was dysfunctional is an understatement. 
Um, I said last night I was almost 31 years old when I decided to end my life. I'd been suicidal most of my life. And, um, but I came to the Lord when I was 31, all alone at my kitchen table. And it still was two more years before I started living and understanding that the way I lived my new life was by the word. So for those first two years, I just lived like I always did, which, as we know, was chasing the men, right? Actually, it was just one. He was six foot seven, and he rode a motorcycle, and he was a cop, and oh, God, he was so hot. And now he's all mine after all these years. <laughs> But after two years, I kept, it was like I kept hearing this little voice in the back of my head the whole time I was being immoral. Yes, I was. I was not doing what was right with this man. And I kept hearing this voice like a whisper, Debbie, there's a better way. Debbie, there's a better way. And I kept, it's like, okay, so I think that's you, Lord, but I don't know what the better way is. And one day out of desperation, because I'm still suicidal, there's, I, I am a new person in Christ, but I didn't, I didn't really know what that was. And I sure didn't know about this word. All I knew is I adored Gary Dittrich, that he was my God. And one day I couldn't stand the little voice anymore. And I said, Lord, I'm done. I don't want to be done. I can't imagine life without Gary Dittrich, but I'm done. And I'm going to put you on the throne and take him off the throne. And I'm going to not see him anymore. I'm going to stop sleeping around to get the love of a man, and I'm going to put you first. And um, the night that I was going to kill myself, and I came to that new life with Christ, and I knew I was different, I said, okay, Lord, so now I know I'm going to heaven. It's a gift. I get it. It's a gift by faith. And if you don't understand what I'm saying, and you're going, what do you mean it's a gift by faith? Please come talk to me after one of these sessions, because I want you to end, leave here knowing what that means. But I, I said to the Lord, okay, now for the first time in my life, I understand I'm going to heaven because it's your gift to me and it's received by faith. And I said, but now that's really bad because I really want to die even more because now I'll know I'll go to heaven. I don't know if that makes any sense. I wasn't real rational actually, but, but I said, okay, Lord, so if you want me to live instead of die, I'm just going to open this Bible and go there. And I said, you have to speak to me. And it was Isaiah 54, 4, through the rest of the verse. You, you should go read it. And I did have an amplified version of the Bible at the time. And these are some of the things it said. It said, oh, you confused, storm-tossed, and not comforted one. Behold, as a woman forsaken in her youth, I, the maker of the universe, will be your husband. And I will gather you to myself. Oh, <laughs> And your children will be disciples taught of the Lord, obedient to his commands, and great will be their peace and undisturbed composure. And I say like that because I still believe that promise for my children, even though I don't yet see it in all of my children. I'm trusting my God for that. So two years later, when I was going to start growing in the Lord, here's what I really said to him. I said, Lord, um, back when you said that you, the maker of the universe, would be like my husband, um, I'm sure that should mean a great deal to me, but frankly, I'd prefer flesh and blood. <laughs> That's what I said. I said, however, I, I, want, I want you to be that more important to me. And I thought, oh, that's lying. I can feel it. My heart's beating really fast. So I said, okay, I want to want you to be my husband. And then I said, okay, that's lying still. Okay, I want to want to want you more than a man. <clears throat> 
And I thought, oh, it's still not the truth because I don't want you. I want flesh and blood. And so I did it the fourth time. Okay, I want to want to want to want you more than a man. Can you, is anybody with me here? So he answered that prayer. And I said, I just am asking you to give me, because I can't give it to myself, a heart that would want you above anyone and anything in this entire universe. Because frankly, I'm a woman who wants and wants and needs and needs, and enough is never enough. But I, I, I just can't live this way anymore. And I started pouring myself into this word. I, it's like I ate it. You know, I just was in it all the time. Every little thing, I was a single mom of three children. My life was absolutely upside down because I was such a mess. And, um, but I just kept turning to the Lord every single second, and he never failed me. And a year later, um, that really cool cop that I told you about that's like six foot seven and so hunky, <laughs> he came back and said, I think we should start dating again. And I said, no, I, I don't think I'll ever date again or get married. Um, and if I did, it sure wouldn't be with a, a man like you that's immoral. And I really meant that. God had really changed my heart. And then it was like it just triggered something in him, like, now I really have to have you. <laughs> you know? You're such a challenge. Rah! I love it when you say no. But I do. Can I just, I'm getting off track, but girls, if you're in that position, you're going, I know what you mean. Um, say no. We just pretend those guys aren't back there. God didn't make you. God doesn't make a man to love you a whole bunch when you say yes. He loves it if you're not married and you say no. And my husband, now my husband, he's my boy, you know, he just said, would you just pray about dating me? And then I started dating him and he said, then will you marry me? And honestly, I would have just gone, oh, yeah, <laughs> and just fainted. And I was like, I don't know. I, I seriously don't think I want anything but Jesus in my life. I'm that, that is how much peace I had gotten from the word of God, how much fullness. I'd never had that. I had grace and peace multiplied to me because I was beginning to know my God. Does that make sense? And I didn't want to give that up for a man because then a man doesn't even compare to what Jesus had given me. Doesn't. And so I did, after prayer, decide, I, I do think the Lord actually is leading me to marry Gary Dittrich. And so, but my big prayer to the Lord was, Lord, if this man or anything or anyone in my life could ever be number one, I know I will take my life because I... I that is not enough for me. The world has nothing. There is not a person. I, I need too much. I'm really needy. I need too much. And there's not a person or there's not money. There's not enough plastic surgery or rodent infills. Even, I'm sorry, but there's just not. Um, to give me what I need except Jesus. That's it. And this word. You can have, we can have everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. This is, this is a demonstration of, of my little self, okay? So I like junior mints. Anybody else? Snickers loves, oh, I love Snickers. At a retreat one time, they asked me about three weeks in advance, what is your favorite candy? And I said, ooh, Snickers. I had 50 <laughs> Snickers on Friday night in my room. And by Sunday, I went home with zero. zero. Oh. I was on this sugar high. <laughs> oh, it was disgusting. 
But I am the kind of person, because I'm this really needy person. So if I had junior mints and you gave them to me, and I get on the plane, and about 6 o'clock, I'm like, God, I'm starving. I'm not still on the plane, and I dug around in my luggage and pulled, you know, my little carry-on and pulled this out, thinking, ooh, Lorraine gave me these um, junior mints. I'm going to eat them, but what if they'd melted? Some people, some of you are real smart, and you'd go, oh, shoot, darn it. They're melted. Not me, because (laughs) I'm going to get it if it kills me, and I'm the kind that would dig in here and tear that part off and then lay it here and get my finger and... This is not a joke. <laughs> Digging and sucking that. I have done that. That is, that is no lie. The only reason I'm dumb enough to tell you how, what I do in private <laughs> is that's how my heart is with Jesus. I'm at the point, and I thank God for that, nothing and no one is going to stop me from seeking and digging and finding because I know that I don't have enough, and my Jesus is all there is, period. And that's what I want for y'all because that's the way you have everything you need for life and godliness. That's it right there. So we're going to focus on 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 today. For by these... He has granted to us his precious, I love that word, precious, and magnificent promises, so that by them, by these promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Just... Can you just picture that? In Christ, when we put our faith in him, we become new creatures, right? Now we are partakers of a divine nature. Remember last night, we said that the abundant life, for those of you that weren't here, is the word zoe in the Greek, and that means an eternal life. It's the life that was always with God. It always is, and it always will be. That's zoe life. And that's what Jesus came to give you, an abundance of this zoe life, this divine nature, but you don't get that in the world. That's bios. That life we said is bios. So bios is everything that can is going to perish. This water bottle, this Bible, my skin, my literal body is going to perish. But not Zoe life. There's a Zoe life, Debbie, inside of me that's alive and will always be alive if you're in Christ, right? And because of that Zoe life, we can partake, participate of the divine nature, And what participate means is to be a partner with Jesus to accomplish the will of God. Wow. What if I said, you know, God's, my ministry is really taking off and I'm just, I'm going to, I have about 40 speaking engagements next year. Oh, that makes me want to throw up. (laughs) That's hard. But what if I said, I want you to partake of that with me. That would mean I go and you go. We, we do it together. I, I want water and you help me and you need prayer and I pray for you. And we just, we, we go to all those 40 things and we show up together because we're partaking in it together. Got that? This is what this means. We can partake of the life of Jesus as you live your daily life. You look like a human, but you are a partaker of the divine nature. Wow. Jesus was really clear his entire life about what he was doing. And this is what he said. I only came to accomplish my father's will. 
He didn't come to dream big dreams and to fulfill his destiny, and he didn't come to live his best life. He came to accomplish the will of his Father, period. He said I, in John 6, 38, John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 5, 30, John 5, 30, I can do nothing by myself. Jesus said this. I can do nothing by myself. I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus Christ said he can't do anything apart from God. He came only to do his father's will. Guess what? We can't do anything apart from Jesus. John 15, 5. This is my life verse. Do you know what that means? It, somebody said that once, and I thought, what's a, what's a life verse? It's a verse that keeps popping up. People say it, and you just, it's something in your heart. It's kind of like, that's like literally for me. It's not just a verse. That is for me. For me. Really? That's for me. This is for me. And here's what it says. I'm the vine. You're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do only a few things. <laughs> Nothing. Remember we said last night, God, when you're describing God or God's will or anything about God, it's only and always superlatives. You don't ever hear anything like you can do only a few things apart from me. It's all or it's nothing, okay? So God is telling you here, Jesus is telling you, you can do nothing apart from me. And when I first heard that, that word nothing really scared the bejeebers out of me. Because my first response to it was, oh my gosh, if I can do nothing, then I need to figure out how to abide because that's the only way I can do something. Does that make sense? And I've literally spent my entire walk with Christ trying to understand what abiding means. Some of you mentioned, I remember last time you talked about abiding. Guess what? I'm still talking about it. Number one, because it's my life. But number two, it's just that's what God wants for us. Abiding means to live, to dwell, to remain, and stay. So if this is me and this is Jesus, we abide. So it's, it's always Debbie and Jesus, or if I'm apart from him, it's nothing. This, Debbie and Jesus, that's everything. This, Debbie on her own, is scary. And number two, she can do nothing, literally nothing. Not some, not even a little bit, nothing. The picture of abiding is a 24-7 state of being. <clears throat> Years ago, I told the Lord when I was growing, this was a long time ago, but I said, Lord, it's like you're a piece of my pie. And I enjoy that piece occasionally, but it's just a piece. I have like seven other pieces of stuff. And I want you to be the whole pie. I want my life to be... In other words, what I was saying, a lot of times... I, just, I don't even know what words to ask or say to God, so I just say how I best say it. So for me that day, it was pie. I want you to be the whole pie, not a piece, not something I occasionally do, but my everything is basically what I was saying. And that's really what abiding is. And abiding is the only way that we can be fruitful. Now, that's really important because listen to this. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you 
that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. You were chosen by God to be fruitful. That is your job. That's what you're supposed to do. I have had women, I've heard, especially younger women, and I'm not picking on you, but I, I said the same thing, by the way. Um, I wonder what my purpose is. I just, I just wonder what my destiny is and my purpose, and we just long to know. I'll help you with this. I can tell you it is to be fruitful. That's what you were chosen for. That's it. That's your only purpose, girlfriend. That's it. It's to participate with Jesus in the divine nature. The New Testament teaches that believers, those redeemed by God through Jesus, by faith, by grace, are a field, and God owns us, and he expects, expects us to give him fruit from our life. Does that make sense? 1 Corinthians says we are God's fellow workers. We are God's field, his building. He's building something with you and me. And then in Colossians 1.10, I love this. This is a prayer, by the way. Paul is praying for the Colossians. Colossians 1.10, it is a prayer. I pray for myself. It's a prayer. I pray for my children. And Paul says, I pray that they would walk in a manner worthy of him, pleasing him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work. And what do we have? Increasing in the knowledge of God is what he's praying for. That's what he says. That would be a great prayer to pray for yourself because you know why? The Bible tells us that if you pray according to God's will or God's word, he's going to answer you. He, if you pray that prayer, he's going to answer that prayer. There are good works, that prayer I just read, that God wants us to do so that we can be fruitful. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. What is your purpose? Your purpose is to abide and be fruitful. The big thing, your destiny, is to participate in the divine nature, to be fruitful, to walk in very specific good works that God created for you. This is what God created for me to do, just one of them, just, just one of the good works. And this isn't a big one. People may say, oh, she's a speaker. That's a big work or something like that. It's not. No, it's not. That, this is a weekend. It's a Friday night, Saturday morning, and Saturday afternoon. That's nothing. That's like nothing out of 365 days. That's nothing. It's the other days as I'm abiding. It's the other days when I'm angry and I don't act on that. It's the other days when I'm in the Word when I really don't want to be in the Word. But I say, oh, yeah, you are. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. No, this isn't an argument. You're going to get in the Word. Isn't that what you say to your little kids? They say, I don't want to do my homework. And you say, I did not ask you if you wanted to do your homework. Sit your rear end in the chair and do your homework. And I say that to myself, Debbie, I don't care that you don't want to sit down and be in the Word. You are going to sit down and do get in the Word. And I'll tell the Lord, I don't want to sit in this chair I don't want to do it. I don't want to read it again because I'm just, I don't want to do this. It's like boring. So you've got, I know you want me to be here, so I am out of obedience, but you've got to give me a heart that wants to read this and can comprehend it and put it in my heart and then live it out. And he has done it every single time. If you don't feel like getting into it, that's exactly when you need to do it anyway. It does not matter how you feel. God did not call you to feel right. He asked you to believe right and to do right. Got it? It's not a feeling. 
Our purpose is to participate in the divine nature and be fruitful, whether we're a wife or a widow, married or single, sick or well, rich or poor, with or without children, young or old. Abiding is the big thing you were called to do. That's it. I know a lot of women, well, my child died. Now what am I supposed to do? Well, that would be abide. Well, I've got cancer. Now what do I do? Well, you abide. My husband's gone. Now what do I do? You would abide. You abide as a single person now. Does that make sense? Well, I don't have much money. I know. And now you need to abide as a poor person. It's just abiding. That's what it is. The big thing is abiding with Jesus. I want to, you know, last night I said that a lot of us are not really in the word. It's like salt. You're not in salt. I mean, you don't drink eat tablespoons of it, do you? If you do, we need to talk. Maybe get a doctor. (laughs) But you sprinkle salt, right? It's just a little bit to make it taste better. And I think some of us do that with the Word of God. We just sprinkle it so life's a little better. You know, we said last night that this is a dangerous time because people just want their ears tickled. You know, gachi, 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 Just tickle me because I just want a little sprinkle of the word. I really don't want to get all involved in all that stuff. But I, just, I do need a little bit of that. Do you know what I'm saying? we got to stop it. This is food. It's not salt. You don't sprinkle it. You eat this. This is the nourishment. And so think about this verse. Have you ever heard Ephesians 2.10? You're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. I can almost guarantee you. You may not even be conscious of it. You've heard that before, and guess how you hear it? You are God's workmanship. You're so wonderful. You're absolutely fabulous. These are some memes I found. (laughs) You're a masterpiece. You're handpicked by God. You're loved. You are a person of extreme value and significance. Have, have you, you've seen it, right? Haven't you? And what's the focus? of They've taken that verse and sprinkled it a little bit, and it's biblical. But what, if the, what is the emphasis? It's all on you, right? Wow, I'm really special. Here's another one. You are special, loved, wonderfully made. You're beautiful and have purpose. You're a masterpiece. God has a perfect plan for you. Just put your trust in him. All of those are true. There's nothing I'm saying here. These literally are biblical, but they're all pulled out of context so that you will leave thinking, bad golly, I am a good person and people like me. That's, that's the whole point here. The point is not God. What did our verse say in the beginning in Second Peter? You have everything you need for life and godliness through what? The knowledge that you're wonderful and magnificent? No, through the knowledge of your God, not the knowledge of yourself. What is the rest of this verse? It says to your, you are a masterpiece. It definitely says that. You really are unique and specially qualified to do what? You were created in Christ to walk in the good works that God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Do you, do you get that? Your purpose isn't to be magnificent. The magnificence is that you're now able, as a new creature in Christ with a divine nature, with Zoe life, now you can do these specially amazing God works that could not be done otherwise apart from God. Do you see what I'm saying? That's the magnificent thing right there. 
That is your purpose. Be careful of these buzzwords. Fulfill your destiny. Live your best life. Follow dreams. That should be an, you know, like an alarm. If, if the smoke alarm went off, I don't know what it sounds like, but I bet it would be. Your, your little alarm, your spiritual danger alarm, needs to go off when you hear these destiny, dream, you're the best, blah, blah, blah. You need to go, wait a minute, what is the point here? Because if it's me, I'm not listening to this. this that would be garbage. It's just not true. Does that make sense? And yet you are amazing because God made you that way. You're in his image. You have his nature now. You can participate in the divine nature, a nature the rest of the world doesn't even understand. You are pretty amazing, but you are amazing so you can do God's will, not yours. That's the only reason you were created. We really do have everything we need for life and godliness through the true knowledge of him. If you think you were created to accomplish big things and big dreams and to be true to yourself, you've been lied to. I cannot say it any clearer. It's really heartbreaking. And 2 Peter gives really blunt warnings and the rest, we won't go into these verses, but it tells you false teachers will be prevalent in the last days. Ladies, we are in the last days. Now, the day, the day may be a thousand years away or a thousand minutes away or a hundred years. I don't know, but it, we are definitely in last days, whatever that means. And, and the lies of these false teachers will prevent you from being fruitful, which is your main purpose in life. This is really like critical. It's absolutely necessary to understand that. They're teaching you. <clears throat> the teaching will glorify. You can always recognize a false teacher because it will glorify and magnify you, not Jesus. Their teaching will imply or clearly state that your will is all important. Your dreams, being true to yourself. Well, you know, you just got to follow your heart. No, I don't. I want to follow God's word. My, I followed my heart. Divorce, suicidal thoughts, adultery. Yeah, I was that girl. I followed my heart and it led me to an awful place. And your heart leads you to an awful place. Jesus had only one goal, just one, and that was to accomplish God's will. We only have one goal, and that's to accomplish God's will by participating in the divine nature, abiding and being fruitful, walking in the good works he prepared beforehand, remembering that we can do nothing apart from him. The reason it's critical to get this straight is because what you do in this life, your works are going to be judged. What you do... Those good works or the not good works are going to be judged. I want to read this to you because this is really important that you understand this. It's found in 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. That's in the New Testament. You can look at the index if you don't know where it is. It's okay to do that. 1 Corinthians 3. And we're going to start with verse 9. Okay, so here's that verse I read earlier. For we are God's fellow workers. We're God's field. We are God's building. This is only applying to those who have put their faith in Christ. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building upon it. But let each man, let each woman be careful how she builds upon that foundation. 
That's what we've been talking about. You build on it with good works. No man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, and that is Jesus. Jesus is the foundation. We believed we were sinners. We believed that as a sinner we were worthy of death, which means eternal separation from God. And we believed that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. So that's our foundation. I'm on this foundation of Jesus, and it is really firm. And now I'm going to build on that foundation. Now, if any man does build on the foundation we set of Jesus with gold and silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work, which he has built upon it, remains, he's going to get a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he's going to suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so is through fire. So let me tell you what this means, okay? When you accept Jesus, that you've laid a foundation. Like any, any place you live, there's a foundation, right? And if it's not a good foundation, it's, your house is going to fall down. And so our foundation is Jesus, and now we're going to build on that foundation. And there's one choice. You can build with gold, silver, and precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. And we've just read the wood, hay, and stubble is going to burn up, and the gold, silver, and precious stones will last and will get rewarded. This is, has nothing to do with your sin. Zero. Who took the punishment for your sin? Jesus. And so that's never going to be thrown in your face. It was thrown in his face. You're never going to be beat up for it. He was. He's not going to look you in the eye and say, you filthy, dirty, rotten, no good. He's going to say, my precious, righteous, perfect child. Because he sees his perfection in us. But what we do with our faith, participating in the divine nature or not participating in the divine nature, that's going to be judged. And so if I'm doing the will of God, if I'm living by this word and everything I do, like speaking, literally, I know some of you have said, oh, thank you for what you do, blah, blah, blah. And my, my response, it might sound like a pat answer. Well, it's not me. It's Jesus. That is not a joke. Debbie Dittrich would be really scary to be up here all by yourself. I would be putting on a show. I'd be trying to impress you. I'm a disgusting people pleaser. And you don't want me. And thank goodness God hasn't got Debbie here. I'm not. Debbie is tamped down, praise God. And Jesus is speaking. So if you think you like this, um, it's Jesus. You can get more of it yourself right here in the Word. And if you don't like it, go talk to Jesus because I don't care. <laughs> I don't. And he's saved me from that people-pleasing thing. But our works are going to be judged. And so everything we do with Jesus, those are eternal things, gold, silver, and precious stones. He's going to give you rewards for doing these good works. And if you don't, if it's for you, like living your best life and dreaming your best dreams, that's why I think it may sound, oh, Debbie, that's not, that's not a big deal. I mean, you can, you can do that too. Actually, you're wasting your time. That's bios life. It is passing away. And everything you do for yourself, by yourself, with your best life and your stupid dreams, I'm just going to say it. It's, it's going to pass away. It has no value. You are wasting your time to pursue all this garbage. 
There's only, your, when your life is said and done, only one thing will count. And that's what you did with Christ, period. There is nothing else that will last. And if you want rewards, it's going to come because of what you did in him. Is that making sense? No, ma'am. Okay, so when we say the word works, that's a really good question. And I grew up in a religion that basically said, you've got to work for it. If you're really good and you, and that's literally was my mindset. Okay, God, I've been really good today. I really haven't thought those bad thoughts. I didn't say any bad words. I was nice to other people. So, oh, if you could just take me right now, because I've been really, this may be the best day ever. And I could probably get to heaven if you took me now. I literally, I was such a weird child. (laughs) so pathetic it's really sad and so so that's work see I've got to earn it oh oh, I think I've got it okay so take me now please while I'm I don't think I can be this good much longer take me now (laughs) got it so but over here it's it's just him leading me and I follow so it's not me um, I could be Debbie the speaker and I've worked really hard I've memorized my lines I've I've got a little salt sprinkle of the word so it sounds biblical but mostly I'm concentrating on you know there was a time that I spoke to a large group of people and Priscilla Shire and I were on the stage together you know I could go on and on like that and I you might be entertained but there'd be nothing of value there and so I can do a work that is Debbie and that's going to be nothing I can even say, I'm going to go build an orphanage in Africa, and I just, I've been dreaming this all my life, and I, I just want to save children and feed them and clothe them. And you know what? I think we probably have some things like that. God forbid it, forbid it but I think we do. And those people who have built great things did it for their own glory, maybe even for money, probably for money in some cases, and their own prestige. And it will count as nothing because apart from him, I can do nothing. So literally picture Jesus is here, right? And so can you just, you've been such a great sport. Just stand right here. (laughs) This is not Holly. This is Jesus. (laughs) Introduce y'all to Jesus. So Jesus slash Holly says, okay, I want to go over here and minister to Selena. And I'm just following. And I don't know what we're going to say to Selena. And Selena's thinking, I said, go away. I don't like this. (laughs) Um, but I'm just letting Jesus slash Holly tell me, putting into my heart, okay, I want you to pray for Selena. I want you to just bless Selena. So does that make sense? So it's not me. I just follow. And then she says, okay, let's go sit down and rest. Does that make sense? And I just, thank you. I just follow Jesus. That counts, you see, because I can't do anything apart from Jesus. But, if, but see, if you're not in his word, you're not going to know how he's speaking If you think you're going to hear this voice say, now go speak to Selena. (laughs) Sometimes it does happen that way. I have felt that impression. But I'm going to tell you something. If that's, I just get almost angry. So forgive me. I get wound up here. That is so dangerous. If you're a woman who says, I don't really have much time to be in the word, but God just speak to me. Oh, Selena. Yes. Let me go do that. you've lost your mind. He's not going to speak to you if you're not in his word and letting him speak to you. If you have the audacity and the pride to say, I don't really need that. I've, I've read all that. Just speak to me. Give me a word. God forgive you. You are dangerous. 
And there are dangerous women that come up to me. I have a word for you. And my, the minute somebody says, I have a word for you, I'm like, I know what the word is. And it better come out of your mouth because I'm not listening to this thing. And I'm telling you, I'm just going to keep going with this. There are spirits and demons that will tell you things, girlfriend. And if you don't know this word, what are you in? No, 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 no. That's not good enough. What are you in? You won't know the voice is lying. You won't. It'll sound so gushy and mushy and godly. And it won't be God's word. And the enemy doesn't care if he's whispering, Hey, Debbie, go be a prostitute on that corner. It's a really good deal. Really? Okay. Off I go. Or he says, Hey, Debbie, just put the word aside. I'll speak to you. Just follow me and my word. He doesn't care how he gets me away from God as a prostitute on drugs or just some idiot out here who thinks I can hear things and that that's it. You, got, you better be in this word. These are really dangerous times. And you are really in big fat trouble if you're not. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah. This is huge. I just cannot tell you. <clears throat> it's always been here, but it is now so prevalent. And you must be a wise woman who's in this word. And when you hear things, you're immediately going, I wonder, now wait a minute. That's not, it. That's not what God's word says. And you need to speak up and tell your sweet sisters, I heard what you said, but, you know, I've just got to be honest with you. That's not what God's word says. Let's talk about Can we talk about that? <clears throat> well, I just really got off track. Excuse me. <laughs> Let me find my place. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, 2 Peter 1.4 says, Through his very precious and magnificent promises, we escape the corruption that is in the world by lust. Corruption means spoiling, wasting away, destruction, and deterioration. So you can have rewards. You can have a life of good works that's going to count for all eternity as you abide with Christ. Or you can live this other life, even as a believer. We mostly see it in non-believers, but you can still do this. Live a life based on your desires, and it will reap corruption. It will be a wasting away, a deterioration, a destruction. If you're not participating in the divine nature and abiding with Jesus, you're going to reap corruption. And where does the corruption come from? Where does this wasting away come from? It comes from the world. The word cosmos in the Greek is the word for world. And here's what it says. Um, it means this present world. Cosmos means the present world, the present order of things, as opposed to the kingdom of Christ, and hence always with the idea of transience and worthlessness. That's what the world offers you. Evil, both physical and moral, the seat of cares, temptations, and irregular desires. The world is transient and worthless and is passing away. It is the seat of ungodly, irregular desires. Lust means desire, craving, longing. In our first session, we talked about true Zoe life, the abundant life that's found only in Jesus. But we also talked about bios, which means the material things of this world. We love material things. 
We all do. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world. Do not love this transient thing that's passing away, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world's passing away. And also it's lust, and the one who does the will of God abides forever. I want to be a woman who does the will of God. That's what I want for you. My precious friend, our love for this world, our lust for the things of this world is going to reap destruction for you. That doesn't mean hell. It's not hell. You're not, if you're in Christ, you're not going to hell, but it just means your life would have just been worthless for nothing. Our house burned in 1995, or maybe it's 94, and... Um, you know, we lost everything, some precious possessions, one-of-a-kind things. It, it just that quick, it's all gone. That quick, you're going to blink your eyes and you're going to be in heaven. And, and if you're not abiding with Christ, doing the good works that he prepared beforehand, the life that you spent here to accomplish your will is going to be over and all burned up and worth nothing. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Here's another way to recognize a false teacher based on what we just said. If a teacher is teaching you that you are entitled to the things of this world, guess what? That's not the truth because it's already said this world's passing away. If you love the things of the world, the love of God's not in you. That's a lie. If you've heard words like, you're a child of the king, you deserve to live like a child of the king, there's not a scripture to support that. If someone promises you health or wealth or asking you to sow a seed of faith by contributing money to their ministry, my darling, do you not understand that they are actually working on their lust to get your money and they're working on your lust so that you'll give a hundred to get a thousand? Because that is what happens. I've been there and done all that. That is just nothing. That is not the truth. And I say that with, with us. I'm not trying to be in your face. If any of you are going, now, wait a minute. You are stepping all over my toes because I, I really believe this. Please talk to me. I'll, I'm going to give my email and telephone number at the end of this. You can ask me these questions. I'm just trying to save you and teach you the truth because I want your life to count for all eternity. In Mark 4.19, Mark 4.19, remember we said our, the, our only goal is to abide and be fruitful. We were called and chosen to bear fruit. And guess what? Mark 4.19 says the desires, that's the word lust, by the way, that brings corruption, the, des, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things chokes the word, making it unfruitful. We're called to be fruitful. And so if you are all investing yourself to get more of what the world offers, guess what? Your life's going to end up being unfruitful, and you will not be a woman who has accomplished her purpose. And won't that be sad? The Word of God makes us fruitful. The very great and precious promises of God make us fruitful. Charles Spurgeon said, If you give your soul up to anything earthly whether it be wealth or honor or the pleasures of this world, you might as well hunt after the mirage of the desert 
or to store up for yourself the clouds of the sky, for all of these are passing away. And I'm telling you, with social media, that's all we do. Scroll, 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 and we see new ways to do our hair and our makeup and our eyes and lose weight and new clothes and blah, blah, blah. It just, it never, I see it, I've been, I've been in this passage for about a year now, just in these 11 verses. I can't, I'm camping out. I pitched my tent, and I just read them every day. I pray about them every day. I pray that they would work and live in me every day. And now I just see things so differently. It's just really apparent to me the world every second is trying to capture your heart and attention so that you leave the true important things of God. 1 Peter 2.11 says, 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers, meaning we're in the world, but this is not our world. We're really aliens and strangers here because we have another world and another home we're going to. He says, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Can't you, don't you relate to that? I was talking to somebody yesterday about, I'll just be honest with you, overeating. Let's don't really talk about that one. But it's a, it's a, it's a lust. It's a desire for something more than what I need. It is. I battled it so long. But that fleshly desire, it wages war in my soul. It's a war going on here. And when Paul, uh, Peter says to abstain, here's what that word means. If I was a sailor in a boat and there was a storm and the winds were, were pushing me, if this was all rocks, and it was pushing the boat closer and closer to the rocks where I was just going to be dashed and crushed to pieces, they would get these long poles out and the wind would be pushing this way, but the poles, they'd be pushing off from the rocks to abstain from danger and death. Does that make sense? So that's a picture of us. What do you lust after? I don't know, importance, prestige, cars, money, men, sex, drugs. I don't know. What do you lust after? I've told you what mine is. We can abstain from that in the strength of God so that we're not dashed to pieces and reap corruption instead of rewards. Paul talks about this war in Romans 7. He said, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I really want to do. That's, that's this lust, waging war. He's a wretched man, he says. It is a wretched condition, and only Jesus can deliver us. 1 Peter 4.2 says, Live the rest of the time in the flesh, and that means this earthly body, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. We're only here to accomplish the will of God. So how can we live for the will of God and participate in the divine nature and be fruitful and be rewarded? And how can we escape the corruption that's in the world? Only through his very precious and magnificent promises. So let's look at a few of the promises. And where do we find the promises? In the word. It's all here. This is 2,000 pages of perfection. And if you want everything you need for life and godliness, right here, sister. Right here. And what are you in if you're not in his word? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. I love this. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture. Remember, there's a superlative. How much scripture? All. All. Scripture is inspired by 
God and profitable for teaching and reproof, correction for training in righteousness that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. This is it. The word makes us adequate. Listen to this. Adequate to me, like if Burkett said, hey, how was breakfast? And I said, it was adequate. To me, that's kind of like, well, it, it wasn't great, but it was, it was enough. Does that what adequate that's how I interpret adequate. I don't know if I'm the only one. It sounds like, that's okay. But it, that's not what it means, especially in the Greek. Here's what it means. Complete, sufficient. I'm so insufficient. I want sufficiency, and it only comes through the word, meaning all of your parts are what they're supposed to be. Isn't that what we all want for us to be who we're supposed to be? Isn't that that? That's what we're always wrangling with. I just know I'm not supposed to be this way. What am I supposed to be? It's to be in Christ. And the word makes you adequate. It makes you who you're supposed to be so that you might serve your destined purpose. We love the words purpose and destiny. Here it is right here. The word gives you your purpose and your destiny. I love that. God's word changed me. Elizabeth Elliot said the word of God is a straight edge which shows up our own crookedness. Isn't that fabulous? We can't really tell how crooked our thinking is until we line it up with the straight edge of Scripture. And contrary to what the world is telling you, this word has not changed. It's not out of date. It's not irrelevant for today. It's God. So I want to give you a few of the promises that are spoken of here. The greatest one, and I could literally, we could just speak weeks about the promises of God. So there's only a few here. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Precious one, Jesus is the way to God. Jesus is the truth of God. Truth is not relative. That's what this culture will tell you. Well, it's, that's your truth. No, there is a truth. Don't believe that stuff. Jesus is the only way to have the Zoe life, period. Here's another great promise. Jesus forgives you. This is a big one. Ephesians 1, 7 says, We have forgiveness of our trespasses in Christ. Does anyone else here suffer with an overactive conscience? I have done that all of my life. All, even before I knew the Lord as a little girl, I would agonize over thoughts that I thought or thunked or whatever word that would be. Um, I would just be in agony over some of these things. I was just always grieved. Now, that's too active, but nevertheless, I have always had this, um, this crazy conscience. Um, but I am just wondering, do you understand? Is there anybody here like me who could never grasp you, if you're in Christ, if you're not, we need to talk because this does not apply for you. If you're in Christ, you are forgiven. You are forgiven for all of your sins. The enemy does not want you to grasp this and understand that. Colossians 2, 13 through 14 says, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us, here's a superlative, all of our transgressions. 
having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and which was hostile to us, he took it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. Amen? Look at this. This is my statement of debt. It's not mine specifically, but a lot of them. Gossip, lies, murder, coveting, lust, sexual immorality, greed, idolatry, rage, evil desires. That's actually the deeds of the flesh. Do you have like a certificate that, that it is in your head and you just have all your sins on it? The debt has been paid in full. It is canceled. You don't owe this debt if you're in Christ anymore. And if you don't get this, here's what I want to, I'm going to give you another example. Have you ever been to Sam's or Costco, right? Everybody? Amen. <laughs> And so let's just say I'm working with Burkett and I'm on the committee and she says, okay, take the card for the church and go get $500 worth of stuff. You know, the, the beef, whatever. And so I do that. And so I'm in my line. Uh, they give me my receipt. And what always happens, you push your little cart and you hold that receipt and you go up here. And then Holly, my lovely Holly, who is now not Jesus, she is the person with the yellow check or outer marker thing. And she says, may I have your receipt? And I say, sure. So I give it to her and she takes her little yellow marker. What, what is their job position? Yellow marker checker offer woman person? I don't know. So she looks very studious as she ponders my receipt and she looks in my bag and she checks, she looks and she checks, you know, you know, you got it right. And then she gives it back. But what if she didn't give it back? What if she said, Okay, I'm just going to keep this receipt. Um, checker five looks like she's empty. Just take your groceries and, and just repay for them all. What would you do? I'd say, give, give me that receipt. I'm not repaying for these groceries. Have you lost your mind? I just paid 500 for them. I'm not repaying for them. Who's your supervisor? Wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't you just stomp your... I'm not, do, I'm not repaying you, idiot. Sorry, Holly. <laughs> um, you need to do that with your sins. When your own voice rises up, you could never be forgiven for that. Who do you think you are? You are worthless. When that enemy is hissing in your ear, he will never forgive you for that. He would forgive you for this, but you went further than that, and you did that. And you know what it is, and nobody knows what it is except you, and you will never be forgiven for that. I want you to stand up. I don't care how you feel, and I want you to rise up in your spirit and say, Oh, no, I will not repay for sin that is already paid for in full in the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's it. I'm not having this conversation with you anymore. You want to talk about this? You go to Jesus. Because I am not talking about it anymore. I am forgiven. Somebody needed to hear that. <laughs> we need to live forgiven. And those days when you did mess up, girls, I mess up almost every day. And I am the kind of person that can just hold on to that condemnation for days or weeks or months or years. Literally, that's not, that's really true. And I've learned to decide to, remember faith is a decision. I decided to believe I'm forgiven. And so on those days when I have messed up, I say, Lord, Okay, my mind will not let go of that thing I did yesterday. But here's what I'm doing. I'm telling you, I am so sorry. 
And now I'm not going to focus on what I did. I'm going to focus on what you did. So thank you for dying for me. Thank you for cleansing me from all my sins. Thank you for forgiving me for all of my sins. Thank you that you're powerful and I'm weak. Thank you that you love me. Does that make sense? Do you rejoice in the magnificent, precious promise that you are forgiven? If you don't, if you don't, then you live feeling separated from God, and that's why the enemy condemns you. And there's no condemnation for us who are in Christ. You feel ashamed and condemned, literally unable to participate in the divine nature. So we've got to understand God's forgiveness once and for all. The second promise I want you to know about is Jesus does not want us to worry. Have y'all already got this one? Because I could skip this step. <laughs> is anybody else a worrier like me? Oh my gosh. Are you? It's just terrible. It never, it's just this voice in my head. It never stops. My mother was a worrier. And so she had this crazy look. She'd do this. <laughs> all the time. No wonder she drank. Oh my gosh. There's no telling what she was thinking about all the time, but she was just, and she'd do her hands like this and she smoked. So it was kind of like that cigarette dangle thing with this worried look, you know, and a sip of alcohol. It was like, whoa. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is one of the promises. Jesus doesn't want us to worry. Do you know why? Because you're too little and you're too weak. You can't handle it. You can't, you're not, he didn't make you to handle worry. It's like, does anybody have a little tiny dog? I don't know what's a, t I'm not a, much of a dog. A little tiny dog, would you put a, a load of groceries on the little tiny dog's back? He's not made for that. You can't put like a huge box. Well, we'll let little Yorkie carry the big box of brisket into the church. No, a horse maybe, but not little Yorkie. Does that make sense? You are a little Yorkie. You are not capable of carrying all that worry. Besides that, it makes your face really ugly. I'm just, all the rodan infills in the world won't solve that problem. <laughs> Philippians 4, 6 through 7. If you're a worrier and you don't know this verse, you need to memorize this verse. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for just a few things. <laughs> alarm, alarm. For nothing, no thing, but in some things, everything, everything, every single solitary thing by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace which passes understanding shall guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Just picture Jesus like a guard, a, a soldier guarding your heart and your mind. Now that's what I'm talking about. Does that make sense? You are just, you don't have what it takes to be a worrier. And the enemy loves for you to worry. Once again, he does not care if you're a prostitute doing drugs and not fruitful. Or if you're worrying and not, he doesn't care how you're unfruitful, just that you are. And it's not, well, just worry. It says don't worry. That's a promise. Why do we worry? 
Mark 4, 18 through 19, listen to me, Mark 4, 18 through 19, it says the worries of the world enter in choking the word and you become unfruitful. What were you chosen for? To be fruitful. So if you're going to worry, you will not be in the word. You can't worry and have faith in this word at the very same time. Not possible. So you'll put it down and then you'll start worrying how you're going to fix things because you don't trust God to do it your way. That's really what this is all about. And so because you don't do that, guess what? All that time is going to be while you're worrying, unfruitful time. That's really sad. The word worry means anxiety and care that brings disruption to the personality and mind. Your precious personality, who you are, is disrupted Webster's defines disruption as the act of rending asunder, the act of bursting and separating. Doesn't that describe worry? How many times have you said, I am just beside myself. You're just bursting. You're being separated. See, does that make sense? You're breaking apart. You're unraveling. I'm coming apart at the, at the seams. And the result is the word of life will be choked out and you will not bear fruit. And to be fruitful in Jesus, we've got to stop worrying. Jesus says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. Yesterday, we let people use our cabin and yesterday, I don't know if I should say this, she might listen to this message. (laughs) This girl texted me and she says, I can't wait to use your cabin at Thanksgiving. I'm going to send you some money this next week and my dad will send you the rest. And I'm like, Okay, so I don't remember this conversation. Literally, I'm not lying. It was really disturbing. I had zero memory of this, like zero. And I was looking on my calendar. Guess what? I had her name on the calendar. I I, I did it. I have no memory of it. And guess what else? There's another person on the calendar as well. Oh, my gosh. And I just thought, oh. And, you know, it's right before the retreat. It was right before I was picked up. And that really disturbed my heart. And I thought, okay, stop, because I, I start messing with that kind of stuff, and it messes with me, and then I come in here all anxious, and I'm a people pleaser, so what is the other person going to say that I'm going to have to cancel? And uh. and so, you know what I did? I thought, stop. That, that, stop. Stop. Another word. Stop. Pray. Just stop. Stop. I don't want to hear it. Stop. I talk to myself that way, by the way. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and um, I said, just stop. Just pray. That's what he said. Don't worry. Pray. So I prayed. And I said, Lord, this cabin's yours, this time is yours, my crazy brain is yours. I don't know how to work it out except give it to the first person, which was obviously the person that texted yesterday and not the, this other person. And so I just texted this guy and said, I, I couldn't begin to tell you how, but I overbooked. And I don't even remember doing it, but I did. And, I'll, and sorry's not enough. And, you know, there's plane flights. And, you know, it was like, oh, my gosh. And um, I said, would you please forgive me? Well, he called. We don't, he's used my cabin several times, but he's never, um, we don't talk on the phone, really. I don't, I've never even met him in person, but he's a fine Christian man. But he called and he said, Miss Debbie, he's from Alabama. And he said, now, Miss Debbie, I don't want you to worry. And I said, oh, thank you. And he said, I'm serious. Guess what? I was going to call you in a few days and tell you I had to cancel. He said, God's got this. Now, what if I had been all worried? Just think about how the enemy works. I am a worrier. He knows that's my... He can't tempt me to go be a prostitute, but he can tempt me to worry. Then I'm not fruitful. Then I would have come to the retreat all 
you know, kind of distracted and uptight, like, oh my gosh, did you see how that happens in our life? And then you're not fruitful. And God had that, that whole thing worked out because we pray. We can trust our God and the peace of God that passes all comprehension will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. How different would your life be if you decided, not felt, we're not talking about your feelings, they are misleading. What if you decided, you know what, I'm not going to worry anymore. I'm going to take Jesus at his promise. I'm also going to decide to be forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm deciding to believe it. I'm loved. I'm going to decide to believe that. I think those three things might change somebody's life here. I'm going to live like I'm loved dearly and deeply. I'm going to live forgiven. And I'm going to live praying and not worrying. I'm done. That is such a waste of my time. Jesus is our redeemer. He's our savior. He's compassionate. Do you know that he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one? 2 Thessalonians 3, 4. Write that down, 2 Thessalonians 3, 4. And I'm not, again, I'm not picking on anybody, but I'm really firm in what God's word literally says. And I hear people say, I tell Satan, get, get away from me in the name of Jesus. I, I hear you, and I'm not too opposed to that, but I want to tell you this is literally the verse you need. Jesus, protect and strengthen me from the evil one. That, that's what the word says. You don't have all this power to talk to the enemy that I can see in the word. He does. He protects you. He speaks to the enemy. I just speak to Jesus. Does that make sense? It'd be like Holly up again, and I just stand behind her and go, mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, Jesus has got me. Jesus, protect me. Does that make sense? That, that's how I see it. I'm sure there's maybe some other versions there. Jesus provides a way of escape from every temptation, from every lust. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He's greater in you than he who's in the world. He's the bread of life. He's the living water. He's the rock. He's our all in all. He's our Emmanuel, God with us. You are not alone. God is with you. It's time that we cling to these very precious and magnificent promises so that we have everything we need for life and godliness. And I want to give you some very simple ways to hang on to this word because this is where you're fruitful. This is how you're fruitful. These are the very great and precious promises. First of all, are you in a Bible study on a daily basis? And even if you are, you may want to do this anyway. We've got to start literally getting into the word. Not a sprinkle, not a little salt, not a little meme, not a little devotional. I challenged a woman the other day. I said, are you just doing devotionals? And she said, well, yeah, that's about all I have time for. And I said, then you need to change something because that's not enough. A devo, a devotional, is somebody else's pouring over the word and then giving you about five sentences out of their 20 pages of study. Uh-uh, you're the one that needs to do the 20 pages of study. If I ate a steak and broccoli and apples and then came and told you, man, that steak was so good. And I just feel the nutrients and the broccoli. Now, are you going to be nourished? See, because you didn't eat it. You would hear it, but it, it wouldn't nourish you. So the devos, even the pastor, God love him. And I know he works hard and prepares, right, Birkin? But and, and you should come, do come, do hear. But that is not enough. If you're going to let him do the homework and you're wondering why you're struggling in your life and you don't, things aren't going right, then get yourself into this word, into it. 
So I'm going to give you a really simple way to do that, okay? I want you to just start in the book of John. This is just a suggestion. Just go to the book of John and write down what it says about God. Start in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, and write down what it says about God. You have a journal. You were given a journal. So use that journal. You could get a Word document. I'm going to be honest with you. I love writing, and I love pretty journals. However, as I've gotten older, I've realized when I write down, and actually I have a journal on a Word document now, I can go back and find those things like I searched for Journey Church and retreat because I remembered praying that God would let me come speak to Journey Church again, and nothing came up. But see, I couldn't have gone back through 20 journals looking for that. So I'm just suggesting use a paper journal if you like that, but there's also you could just pull up a Word document, what I've learned about God. And so I, this is about Jesus, okay? I did this for Jesus, and I only want you to do the actual words in the Word of God, not something you've taken. Well, I think it means this. I mean the literal words. So for Jesus, I didn't do it about God, but this is what it is like for Jesus. In John 1.1, Jesus is the Word. In John 1.2, Jesus was with God. In John 1.3, Jesus created all things. In John 1.4, Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. In John 1.5, Jesus' light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it, and it sure doesn't today. In John 1.9, Jesus is the true light. There's only one light, and it's Jesus, and he came into the world. In John 1.9, again, it says Jesus is the true light. He came to enlighten every man. Anybody that tells you, oh, the gospel's exclusive, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, it's not exclusive. He came for every man. Every man may not accept him, and I don't know how he speaks to people in other countries, be it a dream or some sort of, he spoke to me at my kitchen table all alone, and no one had ever shared, ever shared the gospel with me. I don't know how he did it, but he did, and I became a believer in Jesus Christ. And then you could write down what your insights are. Maybe something hits you. There's a verse in Ephesians 1. I can't remember. the. It would be in verses 1 through 8. But it said, God has kind intentions towards us. And that, I looked it up in the Greek. And it, I just, that day, I just thought, you, you're not a mean ogre. These things that happen to me are terrible. But you know what? You have kind intentions towards me. Thank you. Do, do I even live like you have kind, that I believe that you have kind intentions towards me? So you could write down truths about God and then write down, maybe it would just hit your heart that day. Like, oh my gosh, you're the light. There's no other light. Do you see what I'm saying? And then when you finish going through chapter one to the end, writing down every, just what you see about God and any insights you have, then go back and do it about what you see about Jesus. Then when you're done with that, go back through, starting with just stay in John for a while. Camp out, get your tent, pack your bags, stay in John, and write down what you see about the Holy Spirit so that you can what? Know your God so that what? You can have everything you need for life and godliness. In fact, when you sit down, just open this word and say, I want to know you. And, or, or maybe you need to say, actually, I don't want to know you. I don't really care. I want to get back on social media. However, I do want to want to know you, which is not true. But I want to want to know you, which is, well, that's not true. I want to want to want to want to want to know you. 
Give me a heart that wants to know who you are so I can have everything I need for life and godliness and then give someone else everything they need for life and godliness. Does that make sense? Get into this word. Let it be your life. And then I want you to do something else. Do we have smelling salts in case someone faints? (laughs) I want you to memorize God's word. Oh, come on. I'm 67. If I can do it, you can do it. Let me just tell you, this is so easy. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, you're too old. You've never been able to do that. Stop. God wants you to know his word. You can do it. And if you don't think you can, then say, Lord, I don't want to memorize this, but help me to remember your word. Put it right here so that I don't need this or my Bible. It's just here. And let me think on it all day. So I want you to memorize it. You've got some little index cards in your pocket. Use those. Go get, um, look at this. This is not all of them. This is my fave. Spirals. Spiral index cards. I've been doing it for years and years. You're welcome to come look at them. But I write down verses right here. And then I throw it in my car. And if I'm waiting or something, I just flip through it. And sometimes I will um, just say it out loud, and that's how I memorize it. That's it. It's pretty easy. If you find a verse you want to memorize, there's some loose um, index cards. I actually found some in my little briefcase thing over there that were really old and tattered. I should have pulled them out this morning. But um, write them out about, on about three different cards. The act of writing it and repeating it three different times, that's going to help you remember it. And then just tape it to your bathroom mirror, tape it to the dashboard of your car, tape it to your window while you do the dishes. Just tape it somewhere where you always are, your office, somewhere. And then if you can, say it out loud. Just read it. That's all you have to do. Just read it. Like Ruth gave me, you know, I often worry first and seek your kingdom second. Lord, please help me keep the order right and always seek you first. Ruth gave me this today, she said, because the Lord told her, about worry. And I said, you know what's interesting? We're going to talk about worry today, right, Ruth? And so in that sweet confirmation, but this was an index card. And so you can write out your verse, do not worry, but in everything pray and just say it out loud. And guess what? One day you'll memorize it. That's it. I almost did uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. I didn't do it perfectly earlier, but it's here in my heart because I've been reading it for almost a year. Just read it, say it out loud, write it several times. You'll, you will memorize it. And then his word will literally become a part of you. Does that make sense? And let me just offer you something. If you really, there are deeper ways. I would love to show you how to look up Greek words because it's amazing when you start doing that. I'll tell anybody here and all of you if that's what you wanted how to to study, really go deeper. I've just given you a really simple, easy way. But if you really want to know, well, what do you mean deeper? What does that mean? I'll tell you. Maybe I could have a live Facebook thing. I don't know. I really don't know. But I'm willing to do anything. And I'll give you my number. If anybody wants my number, I'll give it to you right now. You can call me or text me. It's 214-202-6499. I'm really serious. 214-202-6499. I love God's word. And I will teach you how to love it and learn it and really learn it. I've I've done it by myself. If you ever get to have preset Bible studies, 
that's another good way to really know how to do God's Word. So I'm your girl if you want to learn how to do God's Word deeper. Uh, but do, do try this at least. Let's just close in prayer. Lord, I thank you that I can offer women uh, not myself and not a personality and not a joke, but you. I can offer them you in the power of your word, that your word is all-powerful. I thank you for your very great and precious, magnificent promises. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you can literally give us new ways to put this word in our heart I thank you that you can enable us to be partakers of the divine nature. I thank you that you called and chose us to bear much fruit. I thank you that we can be fruitful. I pray that each one of us would literally leave thinking about that day of judgment and that we would be thinking, Lord Jesus, I want my life to count for all eternity. I want to bring you glory. I want my life to be built on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, which is you, which is your word, which is your spirit. So help me. I want to be fruitful. Lord, I pray that we would be an army of women that would just be women of the word, women who are abiding, women who are fruitful, and women who die with your name as our last breath spoken. Jesus, we love you. Let us be all about you and for you, and may you work in us and through us. And I just commit all of us to you in your precious name. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. Whatever you speak, I feel like I can't write fast enough. Or, I was like, Beth, what verse was that? I got the, missed the last number um, when she was talking about um, fruit. Um, this is kind of cheeky, but it's true. Um, when I get really tired, uh, my filter, it gone. <laughs>